it's time for Cofield and Company. Live from NBA Summer League. Summer League. On ESPN Las Vegas. Friday, 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 Friday. I knew I was going to scare that guy. Everybody. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty crowded in here. Yes. So this is. I've been in very quiet places, press boxes, and scared the you know what out of folks. But uh, it's a Friday. It's a summer. I uh, already got the comments walking in from the uh, outsiders, the tourists, who were like, "Hot enough for you?" I'm like, "I live here, so I know that this is a sweltering hellhole." And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that's what it is. And I swear to God, the area outside of Mendenhall and Cox Pavilion and then yep. right in front of this arena, there's, it's like the brightest sun in the world. There's no shade, and it is hot as Hades, and I love it. Um, I already had worked up a sweat on top of a sweat inside of a sweat, and we're ready to go. we got a good Friday show on the way. What's up, John? Uh, I would agree with all of that. I mean, I'm used to the heat as well. The, the only part of the heat I don't really enjoy is just that first instance when you get in the car. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a special type of heat when you're getting in there. So I actually, I, uh, I had a, a, a little energy that gives you, or a little energy drink that gives you a certain boost for a certain amount of hours. And I drank it, you know what I mean? But I left the empty vessel Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. in the car. So, and that was yesterday when I walked in here. Oh, yeah. When I go back out there, that thing is warped and melted and twisted. I just left it in my car for like... Th- two three hours the problem is i don't know if your car i can't remember i don't have tint so i don't think that helps my car is just, really weak tint because right. initially it was a lease and then i bought it and i'm sure any car salesman right now is like <laughs> you idiot um right. but uh I, ne- I didn't put on the mega tent i also i don't see well so f- for me to have at night yeah whatever the sh- i don't know what it what is it 20 or something whatever what's a limo tent um yeah. that's a disaster so yeah my car gets real hot and here's the other thing that's getting real bad I'm so inflexible and so chubby that when I get out of the car, I'm like, do I want to strain to put on the window shield? Strain? Yeah, I swear to God. I'm reaching across, and I'm like, I'm going to rip the shirt. I'm a very big fella. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, I was trying to stretch is your, out. Is yours the one that's already attached to the car? No, or I wish or it you was. Have a, Okay, so here's the other part. Uh, I love those. So what I have, I've transitioned to, which by the way, again, I don't have any tint, so I don't know how much the windshield, like the shield thing does actually much for me at all. I actually generally will try to park in the direction of the sun so that the, the shield will do something uh, to reflect the sun out. However. Oh, you do? Yeah, because that, you know, because I want because like I said, I don't have tint. So uh-huh. like, like right now, it's out in the Thomas and Mac. I have the thing up. But also, the sun's at the side with no window tint. Like, what's that really doing for me at right. this point right now? Right. So. Um, but my question was going to be, I've transitioned to, like, the really shiny metal, like, steel-looking one, mm-hmm. but it's big, so it doesn't, like, fold up really tight right. like some of the other ones do. Do you still have the tight little one that you have to, like, twist um, and fold in, or well, you, you know, just have the big roll? That's an interesting story. I probably should take a picture of what I'm using. Uh, the SO is very much a insta-buyer. When she thinks of something, she just runs to the internet and buys and doesn't really look for quality. Yeah. So she paid, like, 30 bucks for this complete piece of crap. Like just foil, it, it's terrible, but it's got cats all over it. And <laughs> she she used it. She's like, "This is terrible." And I'm like, "I'll take it." And she bought she bought a better one. So I have this thing with all cats on it. Yeah. But again, I don't put it up. I just lay it over my wheel. That's all I do. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. too lazy. So to, I'm like, anything. there's suction cups. I'm like, I gotta go. So it's not doing anything. No. 
Does it, it, look it, it keeps the wheel from being scalding hot when I get in the car. Does it make it look like the cats are driving your car? I don't know. I haven't even looked at oh, it. You put it up. I'm so la- like I said, I'm so lazy, and most I try to get places early, but then I can never get out of the house because I'm trying to get stuff done for the show. Yeah. And then uh, inevitably, I, you know, I'm like, I don't have time to put up a car shield. That'll take me 90 seconds longer, and I could tear my shirt. It's quite a life I've carved out for myself. I'm very proud. I have to do something. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure my parents are like, what? Some people's wake-up call is when they bend down to tie their shoes and they get out of breath. Yours should be the, I'm too lazy to put my sunshield up. Bend down to put up what? Wait, to bend down to tie your shoes. Oh, no. Um, socks go on. I get down on my knees Okay. And, uh, and rotate the legs. And then the shoes, I will generally put them on and then be near steps. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so you don't have to bend down it, as It's far. completely on. So I sit down to tie my shoes, but it's only because I don't get a good tie if I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I like them. I like my shoes tied yeah, tight. Baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's Cofield and Company covering the best athletes in the world. We belong here. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, I want that not misrepresented. I don't sit down because I can't. I can bend down and tie my shoes. Yeah. I'm saying I like a tight tie, and I need to sit <laughs> down so I can get a good tie in on my shoes. I never thought of that. Yeah. I might have to try that technique. It's not like I'm inflexible. The other thing, too, is when you put like this, so nobody can see, but you, when you put your foot up, yeah. when you tie your shoe like this, it tends to be skewed off to the side, mm. and it's not a good tie. So. Wow, you really thought this out. Oh, yeah. I like tight shoes. We have a lot of stuff like that today. We have a lot of stuff like that today. We thought this through. Uh, there are some cool events going on today and tomorrow. Meet and greets with Vegas Golden Knights. So today, Steph McKenzie from The Point, one of her sister stations, 97.1 The Point, is with Nick Haig, Finley Honda North, Centennial Hills, the meet and greet with Nick Haig starts up in about 55 minutes. So, you know, if you're anywhere in town, you can make it up there. If you're on the north side of town, it's a little closer to you. But 4 to 5.30, they've got uh, free food on the scene. You can bring your own items. I think it's only one item gets signed. But that is Finley, Honda, North, Centennial Hills, 4 to 5.30 with Steph from 97 on the point. And one of the VGK stars, Nick Haig, prizes, free food from Porta Subs, Buffalo Wild Wings, Raising Canes, and Crumble Cookies. I didn't see any fresh updates today on the A's to Vegas or the A's staying in Oakland. Oakland is trying. Uh, Mayor Tao is trying. She went and met with Rob Manfred. I, I can only imagine what the freaking attitude and the vibe was in that room with him. I read through a whole interview with her and the, I think it was the San Fran Chronicle, and she was pretty good at you know, throwing it out there about what a hard worker she comes, you know, that kind of background, and I'm going to fight. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. And then it was like, hey, what were the details with, with Rob Manfred? She's like, I, it's a private meeting. <laughs> Not going to divulge any information. But, you know, this whole stadium thing is really interesting. Um, a guy who knows about this essentially is the original. Well, I'm not going to say the original. Um, a former Dave Cavill. Dave Cavill is the president of the A's. And when you talk to him, you're like, I don't feel like he's being honest with me. I think he's working me. Yeah. Well, David Sampson was the guy with the Marlins, right, with Jeffrey Loria. And, I mean, they built the hell out of South Florida for their stadium deal. They were like, we have no money. We got nothing. And they got $650 million from South Florida. And then in a couple of years later, Forbes does you know pretty good research on what clubs actually make. And the Marlins were making money the entire time, and they cried poor. They basically falsified the information. So he's one of these uh, flim-flam guys. But he works with Levitard now, so he gets pretty good takes. He knows the inside part of the game. Uh, here he talks about Manfred and Oakland and this whole stadium deal. Baseball has wanted to expand to 32 teams forever. Rob made sure that you were all aware expansion's coming. We were talking about 32 teams before the Marlins even had a ballpark. So this goes back 
15 years. Expansion's only coming when Oakland and Tampa have their stadium situation taken care of. So, how does that play into Vegas? We're the first pawn to get the next level done, and that's why, and I hate to keep beating up on this guy, but he's the one who sat there. That's why when Steve Hill from the LVCVA and lots of other organizations around town basically suggested to the legislators, hey, if we don't do this, it's likely we're not getting another shot, which is patently false. Of course it is. Of course we would be at the top of the list of cities to get a team and... If, by some miracle, Manfred and the other owners would open their mind again to Oakland, I guarantee we'd be at the top of the list, one, for the Rays, which I would love to get the Rays, and for an expansion team. But there's a lot going on around baseball. They have a lot at stake here. They need to get this one done and set a tone. Hey, we got all this money from Nevada and Clark County because there's so many more stadiums that need to be redone or cities need new stadiums. Here's a little more David Sampson. You've got to draw the line somewhere because Oakland and Tampa are not the only stadium situations. Milwaukee has a stadium situation. Arizona has a stadium situation. Guess what? Baltimore is going to have one. Shocking but true. Chicago is going to have one. Shocking but true. We're ready for the next cycle. Tampa and Oakland are still on the previous cycle, and we're ready for new stadiums. There you go. Like, if we screwed this up, they can't get that ball rolling down the hill for all these other stadiums. Yeah. I just I'm, I'm scoffing because I was I was looking it up really quickly. I was expecting to see uh, Chase Field where the Diamondbacks played opened up in 1968. Yeah, no, 1998. Oh no, <laughs> you know what their deal is? Because well, they, they had that conflict right where thing. right talking about amenities and fixing things and repairs. The, yeah, repairs and which yep. I hope I hope we if we don't have it already all buttoned up we better button it up here. Yep, because the A's will be coming you know 12 years in and being like hey you know what we need 200 million dollars to fix it up. Mm-hmm. It happens almost every with every new baseball stadium, and I would say too, it, like that's one of the it's one of the things I think I brought up when we talked to a couple of people out at Oakland. My question was just like, hey, look, if you're expand if you're moving the A's out here, aren't you eliminating a fran- like an expansion market where you're going to get uh, expansion I- fees and and it's in a super attractive oh, like you're saying you're eliminating us, yeah. If if the A's move out here, you're eliminating a potential expansion they, market. They think they have like five more markets that want a team. I mean, I guess. And I guess they believe. I don't. I don't think the Rays are going to get a stadium deal done. They've. I mean, they've been working on it for like ten years, and it just keeps getting rejected. Mm-hmm. I don't. And if I were the Rays owners, I don't know that I'd want to stay after that much rejection. Of course. Right. And I well, also. This is going to be a mess coming up the next ten years, but we are helping baseball by setting a tone. Of course. And I would say too, the rebuttal to the thought could be your last chance here at a baseball team. <laughs> so, all right, twofold. One. We're going to get the NBA. We've got the NHL. We're okay. fine. If, you, if you're really making that the deal, see you later. Right. Also, if it's really our last chance, why do you want to get out here so bad? You know what I mean? Outside of just the free money, you know it's a good market to be in. Oh, yeah. Uh, coming up, let's get you set for the second half of the MLB season. It is uh, starting off today. We'll talk to uh, MLB insider Rich Herrera right here on Cofield and Company. Hey, baseball fans. We just saw that the National League broke their drought and won 3-2 to over the American League. Your MVP, Elias Diaz. However, who does he play for? Do you know? I didn't know until tonight. Why? They were wearing these uniforms. Well, they should have been wearing these uniforms. Look, the one thing that Major League Baseball has got to get right with the All-Star Game is that you got to let them go back to wearing their own team's uniforms. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. 
and there was an Orioles fan up on TikTok, and I'm with him. I when I hear someone who's a casual baseball fan, or at least they're a pointed baseball fan, focused on their own market, and they don't know the National League, there are a lot of people who just watch their own team and only watch their own league. And it is a complaint that we got. And I know you were shaking your head, but we're in the sports bubble. The a lot of times the average fan is. Is different. Rich Herrera has been covering baseball forever. Uh, former host at uh, ESPN Tucson, uh, current host at CBS Sports Radio, working with Odyssey. Rich, how you doing, buddy? I am great, Cofield. It's great to hear from you, JVT. I got to I got to get a little scouting report. Did you see the new Asana trailer uh, with Rosario Dawson in it? No, no, <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Tell us about it. No, no, I just, I, I know he's, you know, I want to see where I'm going on, and I, I understand he was a big Rosario Dawson fan. Oh, okay, yes, I get that, okay. Okay, in my, right. my bio of Eason, I'm a big Rosario Dawson fan, oh, that's very okay. true. Okay. How can you yeah, not so be? I just thought I'd throw that out there, Steve. <laughs> I, I got you, you, okay. Listen, folks, let me, let me explain to people here. I've known Steve Cofield longer than the Mandalay Bays existed. I knew Steve Cofield before they built the Wynn, the Cosmopolitan, and uh, Mandalay Bay. That's how long I've known Steve Cofield, and he's been taking care of Las Vegas. There you go. I appreciate that, man. Uh, so, we heard that complaint a lot about the All-Star Game. So, what was your reaction to, you know, it seems pretty simplistic, but a lot of fans are like, hey, I want to see what team they play on. I want the regular uniforms. So, it's one of the things, Steve, when we, when we have interleague play, and it's not special when the Angels and Dodgers are playing or the A's and Giants are playing or the Yankees and Mets because every day we have an interleague game. So a lot of that, that specialtyness that we saw when we were kids, and it was so cool to see the Phillies in their light blue uniforms next to the Pirates, next to the Mets, that's kind of all gone away. But I agree that the, the, the feedback I got is they love the gear. The jerseys were legit, the hats were legit but they wanted to see that during batting practice. I think people still like their tradition of the game, of being able to see the Dodger blue next to a Giants orange and black, uh, the Mariners uh, colors sitting next to the Oakland A's, sitting next to the Red Sox. It just made it seem like an all-star game, as opposed to the NBA where they all wear the same uniform, the NFL where they say, wear, wear the same uniform. I like it when it's the different teams, and I do get to see an all-star team. I can understand that. I'm. Our, I shake my head because I think we complain about almost everything, and nobody's ever going to be happy. So I felt like even <laughs> if there was like the coolest uniform by a fact, nobody would like it at all. So let me ask you this: sticking with the uniforms, were you one of the people who were outraged by the Yankees adding the patch on the sleeve? No, because it's it's income, it's it's revenue coming in. In fact, baseball is the last to do it. Uh, National Football League's done it with the with the practice jerseys. The NBA's done it. Um, it, it's coming because as the more the revenues come up, you look what Shohei Otani is going to demand uh, on the open market if he gets there. The teams have to have to have to come up with new revenue streams. And if I put it on the jersey, guess what? That also keeps the ticket prices down because if I don't have that another uh, ancillary or non-traditional revenue coming up, it comes out of the fans' ticket prices. So if I can make it more affordable by putting a jersey patch on, hey, thank goodness Motorola stepped up for the Padres or whoever steps up to your local team, it helps them a lot. 
All right, Lois, you mentioned Otani. Let's go there. A report recently comes out. Five destinations for Shohei Otani potential. I don't think it's more of a report, more of like a guessing thing. Uh, New York and Chicago both listed, and I laughed heartily uh, at that because, Rich, by all indications, at the very least, he wants to stay on the West Coast. Are these the New York Yankees and New York Mets of the world, are they fooling themselves into thinking they have a shot? Because by all indications, he doesn't want anything to do with the East Coast if he does leave. Well, guess what? You're, you know what? That's why you're the smartest guy I've spoken with today. Where did he pick Anaheim? Right. Where did he have his choice to go? Everywhere. He picked Anaheim for a reason. Anaheim, you're a huge market. You're closer to, you're closer to the Pacific Coast. There's not a lot of pressure on you. New York, uh, ask Randy Johnson what it's like to show up in New York and have the paparazzi in front of your face. Now, it's saying that the Yankees are going to make it a priority. They're going to do everything they can because they have to have superstars to feed the insatiable appetite of Yankee fans. But there's going to be eight teams that are going to step up. They're going to throw $600 million, And it's not going to be who throws the most money at them. It's going to be where does he feel the most comfortable. He is a superstar. He is it. He is the face of Major League Baseball. We've never seen anything like it in the last 100 years. We might not ever see anything like this in the next 100 years. It's up to him to where he wants to play. I'm not counting Anaheim out. Artie Moreno put the team up for sale. He took it off the market for a couple reasons. Number one, if he can re-sign Shohei Otani, that's going to be great for the Angels. When we have expansion coming, all the teams are going to get a whole boatload of money in expansion. I wouldn't be surprised if that expansion money from the Angels help offset what it's going to cost to keep Shohei Otani in Anaheim. So, Rich, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I keep harping on, and by the way, I am an Angels fan for everybody out there to remember, so I am a little biased in this. But when you're, t- but it, it ties into because I think the Dodgers are the rightful favorite to go and get him eventually if, when he hits free agency. But I don't think we weigh lifestyle enough when it comes to Otani and the incoming decision. It is a big move to go from Japan to the United States culturally. That's a massive shakeup, and why would he not feel more comfortable like staying in L.A. Whether it be the the Angels or the Dodgers, I think we're kind of thinking too much about the baseball aspect of it and not about the human lifestyle aspect of it for Otani. Okay, so let me throw this out. Uh, Steve, you guys go out on remote once a week, right? Which which casino do you go to? <laughs> we're out all the time. Today we're at the NBA Summer League at the Thomas & Mac, but some of our regular pl- places are Treasure Island, Westgate. Okay. So let's say I go out to your remote at Treasure Island, right? So we're hanging out at TI, and I hit, I, I hit a jackpot and I win $10. It's not going to change my life that much because you know it's just it's not that much money in the grand scheme of things now if i go out and i hit uh i hit a big jackpot you know the the dollar machines that they put right in front of the casino and i win a million dollars that changes my life so for shohei otani he's going to get his 600 million so if the dodgers under offer him 605 million does it change his life does he get an extra mercedes Benz? does he get a bigger house no it's like me winning that ten dollars when you're at that kind of money so it's not going to come down to money. The money is all going to be even. And you know what? You, you got to look. Uh, if I'm, if I'm, let's say I'm the, the Tampa Bay Rays, who aren't in the mix, but they could say, "Hey, listen, we have no state income tax. If you go to L.A. for staying in Anaheim, I've got to take into consideration how much tax there is." When the A's move to Las Vegas, no state income tax. That's going to help you bring players in. But when you're at that kind of money, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make that much of a difference. It's where you're going to be the most comfortable, where you want to have your family, and where you feel the best. That's the thing that's going to do it. It's not going to be how much money you throw at them. It's going to be the opportunity to have a comfortable lifestyle and to be uh, to get a chance to win. Now, Steve, here's the interesting thing: uh, the way they covered baseball in the United States and Japan is completely different than we do. 
So we have MLB tonight on MLB Network. It gives us the highlights of all the games, and we know who wins and everything. In Japan, the way they look at this is they only watch the, the Japanese players. So when I was with the Tampa Bay Rays, we had Akinor Iwamura, big star in Japan, not, not, not Otani-san, but he was a pretty big star. And I asked the media, how do you cover him? They go, oh, all we cover is what he does. We don't cover anything about the team and whether they win. In our culture, it's about our players coming over to the States. Think of that with Otani. That's the way they cover baseball, and that's the way that culture looks at it. He's going to go where he's comfortable because it's about the indiv- that individual player showing his wares in the big league. And I think we have to understand some of those differences where he's going to land. I've got to ask you, when it comes to the storylines, this is producer DeMond, by the way, when it comes to some of the storylines and the records that players are chasing, Luisa Rice going for 400, Ronald Acuna Jr. being the first player that could maybe get a 40-70 club going, what do you think is more achievable there? Ooh, that's a good one. 400 is almost impossible. Maybe 40-70. The thing is, guys, have you noticed, and, and I'm glad we had a whole conversation for five minutes and we haven't talked about the new rules, which I think are tremendous, Guys, I went on the record saying I hated them. I thought they were stupid until I saw my first spring training game and I realized that we're playing baseball the way we were before. Roger Clemens said this, that pitchers aren't pitching anymore. They're throwing. That means I'm not standing there for 30 seconds to make the perfect pitch and then waiting another 30 seconds. They're throwing the ball over the plate. More balls are being put in play. So it might be Acuna because pitchers aren't standing there uh, gearing up to throw 95 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour on the outside corner. Now they're throwing 90 miles an hour, and it's catching more of the plate, which means more balls are being put in play, and the action is picked up. We got Rich Herrera on. MLB Insider, and as Rich was mentioning, uh, he and I go back to the old Sports Fan Radio Network days. That's where uh, the Sports Pig was. You have memories of the Sports Pig, of course, right? Oh, I love the Sports Pig. I miss yep. him every day, man. I miss him every day. Yep, JTT the Brick and uh, lots of other hosts. Petro moving on to Kansas City. We get Petro on every once in a while. There are like four different generations of Sports Fan Radio Network folks, <laughs> and a lot of people doing really well in radio. So, so where uh, am I? Where? In, in the tipping order, somebody told me the other day they called me an OG. So I came after, like, you remember the original Sports Talk Show hosts were, were Papa Joe Chevalier and, the, yeah. and those original networks, and then Sports Fan came. So am I, like, first generation or second generation now that I've been doing this for 30 years? Uh, I think you're national sports talk. Cause, you know, I, I talked about this the other day. Uh, when we first started out as Sports Fan Radio Network, there was no ESPN Radio. Shortly after I got no. to, uh, to Vegas in 96, they started after that, and there was no Fox Sports Radio. So it was... Uh, SEN and then one on one sports with Papa Joe. I gave Papa Joe a shout out the other day about you know the way people do their shows and kind of play the hits. It's it's sort of what Colin Cowherd does, and you know Papa Joe had his twelve staple uh, topics that he would hit you know at, on any given show all year long, and he'd play the hits. There's nothing wrong with that. It's still a style that a lot of people use. So you're an OG, buddy. You're definitely an OG. Yeah, I think so. I, I was one of the original hosts of Fox, so that means I'm older than Fox, and I'm older than I've been doing this longer than ESPN Radio. You've been uh, you've been on everywhere, my friend. You've been on everywhere. So uh, either, either I'm really good or I can't keep a job. <laughs> that's not that's not the case. Um, so you were here in Vegas. So you know gambling. Um, Westgate just put out some updated odds on uh, the latest with the division. So Braves are a gigantic favorite in the NL East. Uh, Dodgers are pretty big at minus two thirty in the West. The NL Central is completely fascinating. Um, I don't think anyone's going to catch the Reds and the Brewers. Am I wrong in that? Can the Cardinals make a miracle run? And who would you pick between the Brewers and the Reds? Brewers plus 110, Reds plus 120 to win the NL Central. I love the Cincinnati Reds with my heart, but my mind will say take the Brewers. They have better pitching. Cardinals, they they better come out on fire and win like 20 games in a row. Otherwise, 
they're going to be sellers. What are they going to do with Goldschmidt? I love everything that the Reds are doing, but they don't know how to do it. They haven't been there before, and the Central's going to end up with one team. And I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, the Brewers just because the arms are more experienced and they've been there before, rather than the Reds, who I think are about a year away. So for me, what I wish, and this has been kind of my thing for 25 years, beating the drum for it, is competitive balance. But it's not baseball's fault that teams aren't you know, competitive. I think owners choose to either rebuild or just pocket the money. So this year's a great example of teams have built. They've augmented with some free agents. You've got some stories here where teams haven't been real good in recent times. Can you give me one of these teams that is a bit of a surprise, you know, Reds, Diamondbacks, and some others that may actually go out and make a splash of the trade deadline and really add something significant? Like, they're not... I, I've been pushing for Otani, you know, for the Reds. Go get Otani! Win a title, right? But an example of that, a, a team that in the past hasn't been adding, but this year, you know, they're going to go, we're close, we can get on the dance floor, let's try to win a World Series. Well, see, okay, let me go to Otani for a second. Are you willing to rent him, Steve? Would you be able to rent Otani, yes. empty your farm system, no, no, and make no, no. one run knowing that you're going to have to spend $600 million to keep him? Rent, but not empty my farm system. If the market uh, doesn't have, you know, incredible... Uh, return for the Angels, and you can give up, say, you know, your third, your sixth, your tenth prospect. You know, if I have someone I love, you know, the Reds are not going to give up Ellie Dela Cruz. Screw that for a rental player. But yeah, I would rent him right. if, if the price is right. Now, you also have to consider that if the Dodgers make a run for him, the Yankees make a run for him, they're going to be able to give up farm. Uh, they're going to give up uh, members of the farm system. But then they're also they're not going to make that deal unless they know they're going to be able to sign him beyond that as well. So I don't know what the rental market for Otani is going to be. But if you're asking me who's going to make moves, I keep hearing the Padres. Uh, incredibly disappointed, but they've spent so much money, and the ownership there wants to win so bad. I think they're going to be buyers. I think they should uh, be sellers personally, but I think they're going to be buyers. Yeah. As disappointing as they are, and as much as they hyped, and as much as everybody thought, I, I think they're, they've gone down that rabbit hole too much. They're going to be buyers. Uh, I know that the Rangers are going to be buyers. They are a team that no one thought. I believed in Boach. Uh, yeah. I knew that he was what he was going to do. Um, I think the Astros are going to be buyers. And the one team that's going to surprise everybody, Arizona's found themselves in a spot that they didn't think they were going to be in. And they're looking up like, what in the world are we going to do? They have to be buyers to hold out the Padres and the Dodgers. They're going to be buyers, and I think they're going to surprise everybody. Man. That'd be awesome. What do you got, John? Really quick, going back to the Padres, could they buy and sell at the same time? Do you offer up Juan Soto as part of a deal to try to get Shohei Otani? See, here's the deal. They've, they've, they've been in the shadow of the Dodgers for so long. I worked with the Padres. They did their pre- and post-game show. Dodgers come down, and it's 90% Dodger fans. San Diego so desperately wants to get out from underneath the Dodgers in, in the shadow over there. I don't think – I think they're going to be stubborn – Keep Soto, keep everybody, and try to add some pitching or something. But that thing is just not click. The some of their parts don't work. But I think they're in for a penny, in for a pound. I think they go out and get, and I don't think they give up. Rich, what do you got going on in the uh, podcast world? I know you uh, you helped us get Brett Boone the other day. That was awesome. So what do you yeah, got going on with like Odyssey? Bo- how'd you like Booney? He was awesome. I mean, he, the guy's in the bowels of the stadium, and he you know he's talking to us and giving us a feel for the event. Even you know kind of busted on himself for his. I think it was his two thousand three performance. Yeah, you know what? So I, so Brett and I started working together during the pandemic. Uh, both of us were kind of sitting around. He wanted to get into broadcasting. His brother, of course, had been in ESPN, and now he's the manager of the Yankees. So uh, we started working on this podcast, and that was three years ago, and it's blown up. So 
on Fridays, like today's episode, I co-host with him, uh, and then I help him out there on the week. So uh, Booney's been great. So if you get a chance, the Boone Podcast. Um, let's see. I got we got Mark Langston coming up next week. We got David Ortiz coming up next week. You know the one we had, Steve, which was fascinating. We had Jack Carr, Navy SEAL, who's the author of the Terminal List. Mm. Uh, we don't just do baseball. We've had football players on. We've had basketball players on. We've had writers. We had Michael Franzese, who's a former uh, wise guy, um, who talks about that life. He came on. So uh, there's all kinds of different people that pop up on the podcast. And the best thing is Brett is the guy who, who books all the guests himself. He does all the work. So I think Joe McHale, who was in the softball game, with them is coming on. Oh, wow. Jenny Finch is going to come on. So um, it's, it's, it's a really fun podcast to listen to. Rich, you're the best, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks for stepping up for us. Dude, I want to do this again. Steve, you hey, know how much it. I love you. Uh, <laughs> it's great catching up with you guys. Um, I'm coming to Vegas, so I'm going to come hang out at one of your remotes and win $10. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See you, Rich. All right. See you, guys. One of the most positive guys I've ever worked with. We have – I got to – I didn't want to bring it up, but I got to get some stories from him from uh, doing some broadcast in New York because I don't remember if he was there. But I always tell the story that uh, – I got a chance uh, after a show to hang out with Mark Gastineau, right? Okay. And Mark Gastineau is like, he's kind of one of my heroes. You know, when I became a Jets fan, they had the New York Sack Exchange. Right. But he's kind of crazy. And this was like 20 years ago, and he was, it was at kind of the height of his craziness. And uh, I think Rich was there, and so was the sports pig. And Pig's like, we're going to go out with Mark Gastineau. You're coming. I'm like, I don't think I'm going. And I didn't go. And then they stayed out until like 5 in the morning. Regret. I Maybe I, I would go now. My head would be on a swivel. I'm but trying. I would go now. I was like, I, I don't, do, well, whatever. I was going to say I don't do certain stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not like meatloaf, that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. I was like, I don't know if I can, I could control myself, but I might be out of place. I've been with trying that, to take that group. advantage. Not rich, not rich Right. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> I've been trying to take more advantage of those opportunities, and I did last Friday night. And um, <laughs> it did end up with me talking with Yamir Yager for like 15, 20 minutes really? on the circuit. Yeah, he was a great guy. Didn't know it was him until after I was done. Oh no way! Yeah, they had no idea. We were talking about basketball. It was great. <laughs> What'd you talk about? He was, he was he was we were talking about Jokic and just how great he is and just basketball in general. Now back to Cofield and Company live at the Thomas and Mac on ESPN Las Vegas. Having a good time here on the concourse of the TNM. NBA Summer League, by the way, they announced the Saturday slate. I think there's seven games tomorrow, mm. so that, that part of the schedule is out. DeMond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. JVT is here. It's Cofield. We're going to get to some hard knocks reaction from one Aaron Rodgers in a couple minutes. we got some really good conversations with some NBA insiders later this hour. Uh, John was just talking about brush with greatness, but didn't even realize he was talking to Yarmir Yager the other day. You know, it's funny, when, when Rich, our last guest, came on, Rich Herrera, who is an MLB insider and is you know, now working with the Brett Boone podcast, but has worked with the Rays, uh, has been down in Arizona, has been in San Diego. I can't remember all the places he's worked. He's, he's been all over Major League Baseball. He started off the interview, and he was mentioning something about Rosario Dawson. One, I'll pull back the curtain. I couldn't really understand what he said. Right. Because it was a little overmodulated. And then you just pointed out, like, you don't have anything about Rosario Dawson on your Twitter account. He actually asked Damon who was on with me as the company, and then went and looked you up, and then had that Rosario Dawson line, which was in what, your bio? My bio on Visa. Which you didn't remember putting it in there? It, well, I, it took me a second to register, but yeah. I also filled that out like in like 2017. Yeah, right, right. And it's not like a prominent part of the website, so... Oops. And, you know, it was just one of those, like, well, who's your favorite actress? And I think I just watched... Um, um, 
Is it He Got Game with Jesus Shuttleworth? Yeah, right. So I, I think I just watched that. And I was like, I don't know, Rosario Dawson. She was great in that movie. It's good, man. He's prepping. So DeMond hit on something real interesting with the second half of the season. And you're a pretty big fantasy player or not? You have a team? I've got a team. Okay. It's not good. It's a yeah. youth. It's the first year of a youth, uh, of a dynasty. So I'm, I'm trying to sell off. So I follow it pretty strongly. I'm, yeah. I'm in a league uh, a couple of leagues ago back like 20 and 30 years. And I knew that the pizza box for the bases was going to make a difference with stolen bases. I had no idea this was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it is insane. And DeMond brought up the point. Yeah, I've been watching uh, Ronald Acuna. Well, one, because I'm in a league where someone bailed after two months and got nothing for him. And I'm, I'm in a salary league, and his salary was nothing. And they got nothing for him. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Shop around. That happens all the time in fantasy baseball, right? Um, but he really is on a pace to go probably 30-70. There's never been a 40-70. That guy is incredible. Mm -hmm. He is. And the pizza box has helped. The, yep. the, the giant second base and third base to steal bases has added to, I think, everyone's stolen base totals. There's guys like, I, yeah, I have guys on my team. And I'm like, what? He's on, that, guy, that guy's on a pace to steal 27? Did they overdo it, though? No. It's exactly what baseball wanted, okay. man. Yeah. Right? It's more, more action. Offense. Yeah, more offense. And more base-to-base because -base, we got that was gone. Yep. Because everyone's freaking swinging for the stars. 100%. Like, that's the thing. Now, all of a sudden, okay, hey, look, if we get guys on, we can advance these dudes. We can actually have some action on the base paths. We don't have to go for the moonshots every single time. We can actually start to put balls in play and start to advance guys. Like, this is – I think it's been awesome. Like, watching baseball and on top of that – not only all the action, Steve, but adding in the pitch clock to then compact that action where you're like, it's, it's going. Like, you're going, you're going, you're going. I, I think it's awesome in terms of what they've done. They hit it out of the park. Like, this is what you want with your product, man. Yes, the games are shorter, but in terms of action and enjoyment, the game's so much better. Cool event going on tomorrow. want you to take part in it. 97 on the point and comp sister stations are going to be part of the... Help of Southern Nevada Water Drive. Trying to get water to as many people out there who are in need and especially the homeless. It goes down tomorrow at the Help of Southern Nevada offices. They are over on East Flamingo at 1640 East Flamingo. Just donate water. Bring over cases of water. Uh, first 100 people who show up with two cases or more will get a uh, free car wash courtesy of Terribles. Help of Southern Nevada. 10 a.m. to 1 p. Comp and the point will be on the scene uh, taking donations of that water again. 1640 East Flamingo. Get out and help the community and donate some water. Now back to Cofield and Company. Live from NBA Summer League on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, things building for the weekend. If you want to get out here, UNLVTickets.com is where you can get your NBA Summer League tickets. Things go until Monday. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. John's been working with VSIN, his full-time job, all week and grabbing a bunch of NBA insiders uh, Matt Moore, we're going to play this in a second. Who is Matt Moore? Uh, works for the Action Network, okay. has done a bunch of jobs. He's based out of Colorado, so covers the Denver Nuggets as well. He's very good. Yeah. He's very good. And you guys had a good conversation, one, about Wemby, then a lot about Scoot. And then I'm really intrigued by what the Nuggets are doing in terms of the game plan. And I'm wondering if, in terms of roster building, I'm wondering how many teams are going to do this with the bench. Because they're real aggressive in the draft. They're real aggressive about getting guys on the floor. But you started out this part of the conversation talking about Victor Webb and Yama, who, you know, at times in the two games looked a little bit frail and weak. And uh, it's part of the conversation talks about Wemby having to grow into the NBA, right? 
a lot of this is he is not a player, I think, that is built right now, especially considering how exhausted he is coming off of the Euro season, yep. for him to come in and just be like, I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to ISO and I'm going to dominate. And he doesn't have that skill set right now, in part because he doesn't have the size. Even with his handle, like one thing that's really important is these teams don't practice together, but, but players are smart enough at this level to know like, hey, they got nobody else. We should probably set some bodies at Victor Wembanyama. And so the Hornets were like sending triples at him consistently to be like, we're not going to be the team that he shows off against. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure the NBA would be like, can we just play a little bit one on one? Can we just yeah. do that like a little let bit? Him, let him do something. Let, let right. him do something. Um, look, the defensive presence I think is going to be amazing because he does deter and alter shots just by being in the presence. You know, he had that big block on Brandon Miller. Um, you see a lot of the passing. He's a high IQ player, so it's great that he goes to San Antonio. He'll look better with an NBA roster, even with the Spurs. Like, like, he's going to need to roll stuff out in sets. But even then, the size stuff is going to be an issue. Like, he is going to be slight. There's people that are like, why isn't he taking hook shots? I'm like, he's not a center. He's not yeah. going to be a center in this league, at least not for the first six, seven years of his career. You'll see a remarkable change from him from where he is now, two years from now, strength and conditioning. The changes are just unbelievable in terms of what they're able to accomplish. It turns out that if you just work out and that's your entire job yeah. for two years, you wind up getting in pretty good shape. So he'll look a lot better as, as time goes on. The fundamentals are still there but he's not built to be a guy that excels in this environment. And he may not be a guy that honestly excels that much in his first season, at least for the first 20 or so games. Yeah, when I was watching him yesterday, a couple of things that stuck out. So as much as I could have watched of him over the last year, I didn't, he's a nifty passer. Yeah. Like they, they were, the assists that he had were, were great. When he's in transition handling the ball and he's finding guys under the basket, that was one of the things like you hear and you read, good passer. He, like, he's got vision. He, that was one of the things I didn't realize how high that was in terms of part of his game. He was a really nifty passer last night in the three Yeah, season. he's got no, there's no black hole kind of, yeah. kind of sentiment with him. He doesn't have tunnel vision where he wouldn't get the ball and just be absolutely like, we're going to go absolutely straight forward. I'm getting to the rim no matter what. A lot of guys here are trying to do that because a lot of guys here are trying to make their name and yep. a lot of guys here are trying to get paid. So Victor's not in that kind of spot. So Victor, I thought, did a very good job of, you know, anticipating defense, running in the offense. I mean, he mentioned that he, he was very open about how out of shape he is. Like, he's just not in condition to play these types of minutes at this pace, and that was going to be an, an issue. But I think when you look at what he's capable of in terms of playing in the flow of an offense, like San Antonio picked him because he was obviously the best prospect, but they also, it's a great fit for him because they're going to they're going to accentuate those things about his game, about making the right play, about doing the right things, about being an impact player who wins rather than being a guy that puts up no Numbers, and that's what makes him kind of interesting, I think, from a betting perspective going forward, too. The other thing that stuck out was, and I think this is, it's part of the, because I was watching the press conference afterwards, um, part of, like, he talked about maybe a little bit of lack of energy given the workload that he's had. Uh, the post-ups looked like he didn't really have a lot of strength posting yeah. guys up and trying to back them down, whether that's the slight build or maybe that's, you know, again, just some fatigue. That was the other thing that stuck out. There were a couple of times where he got a guy and he was like, all right, let me try to back this dude down. And it's like, oh, wait, he's kind of sturdy. I can't just do that to him. It's kind of funny because it's all kind of related, right? Yeah. Where I don't think that's what he, he wants his game to be is like deep down post up back ends and who who wants that right now outside right. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and so his game is much more face up oriented it's much more of you know his handle is kind of what's exceptional about him his ability to get to spots where he wants to with his handle but if they're sending that much help at him what's the best way to counter that well let's post up turn the back to him I can protect the basketball a little bit better but that feeds into his weakness, yep. which is that strength aspect. And when you got these guys, and that is one of the things that you will see here as far as people ask, like, well, what are you looking for in summer league? A lot of it is like, look, these guys, there are some, there are kiddos here that are just like really raw and fresh. There's also like, there's men here that have been trying to make it in professional basketball for a long time. And they have that those bodies and they have that strength. And you see 
that impact that they can have on him. So, like, look, and you say, like, what's it going to be like when he tries that in the NBA? I don't think he's going to be trying that in the right. NBA. If he's trying to back down Draymond Green, the coaching <laughs> staff is going to be all up in his grill. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. It's going to be more about figuring out how to get the necessary spacing around him to rec- to make it to the where teams can't swarm him the way that the Hornets were. So you mentioned Scoot Henderson and being in the building mm-hmm. for that. Um, what would, what's your takeaway there? I, like, I like it when guys come out and you see them in the summer league. It was like Paolo Bancaro last yes. year. And they're like, oh, they're everything we thought they were going to be. Yeah, immediately after watching like the first like five minutes yep. of Paolo, I immediately went and took a ticket on, on Rookie of the Year for him. I was yeah. like, okay, well, he's going to win, and that's done. And with Scoot Henderson, it's just like, man, he's a tank. Like, he's a tank, and he's wired the way. His competitiveness is the thing you have to love about him. Uh, you know, he is absolutely trying to collect heads every single time that he gets on the floor. Um, and that shows up. The passing was absolutely phenomenal. His ability to make reads because for when you're an athletic guard that doesn't necessarily have great shooting, that's what such a big component is. Are you able to make not just the, the basic reads? Are you not just, are you willing? Like you better be able to make some complex reads. You better be able to see the floor and be able to make those things happen. Scoot absolutely showed that. Um, Scoot was lived up to everything I thought he could be in game one. I thought that Amon Thompson really was a guy that I was like, oh, okay. Like that's a, that, that this kid is going to be way better, I think, immediately than I thought he was going to be right out the gate. Yep. So let's talk about your team that you uh, hyper-focused on quite a bit out, out, out there in Colorado, the Denver Nuggets, the defending champion Denver Nuggets. By the way, you have I saw this, some of the tweets. Are you happy with the coverage? Now you get people who have never watched them before watching highlight tapes and being like, I know all about the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have people be like, you know, the Nuggets are kind of good. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they've won 50 plus games like every year for the last like five years. He's won two. M- Jokic is not bad. Right. That's accurate. He won two MVPs. That's true. So it has been kind of cool to see that. Um, this Nuggets team is really fascinating. And one of the reasons here that they're really interesting is because this is not just like, oh, they have some prospects and they're going to play them. These guys are going to play. Yeah. Like They're going to be in the rotation next season for the Denver Nuggets because the front office has decided that that's how they're going to build. Yep. You know, Their veteran bench right now, DeAndre Jordan is not really an every night player or even a most nights player at this point. You know, it's Holiday who they signed, Justin Holiday, and then it's you know Reggie Jackson who they, they brought back on big uh, gov, big uh, big government um, on a pretty good deal for him. I thought that was a really good deal for him. Um, and then it's young guys. It's yep. Christian Brown. It's Peyton Watson who had a you know was athletic yesterday and showed kind of some of the gaps in his game too. And then it's gonna be these rookies. And you got guys like Jalen Pickett who uh, plays such a, a different style of basketball, one that fits with Denver so well. It's Julian Strother that didn't shoot well from three, but I like the way that his form looks, and I love the way that he was able to get into the paint and draw contact. That looked really good. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's Hunter Tyson who no. comes in, and everybody's like, really? Like, such a reach. But they really believe in these guys, and this is kind of the MO, is that Calvin Booth scouts these guys. He believed in Christian Brown. He believed in Peyton Watson. They both worked out to the degrees that they have. And there's a real confidence that they're going to contribute. This is going to be an extremely veteran team next year trying to defend the title with an extremely young and inexperienced bench. Crazy, right? That's Matt Moore recovers the Nuggets. So they're going to have all this top-end talent. Uh, your guy, Bruce Brown, moved on to what, yep. the Pacers? Indiana. So that's not something to sneeze at. That's a big loss. But then their bench is going to be these young guys. And there's a lot of – I didn't know Calvin Booth was working with them. You know, uh, former NBA player, 6'11", I think Penn State guy. Um, hey, if he deserves the credit, I'll give him the credit because Christian Brown is a player, and he had to play a lot of minutes. And Hunter, what? Tyson who? Yeah, they got a lot of different guys. Right, he showed he yep. showed out pretty good here. Yep. Look, they're going to be they're going to be pretty they're going to be a really interesting team as you get into the year because as they mentioned too. Remember, so win totals came out this year, and they have the highest win total on the board for this year, I should say. Uh, so fifty four and a half, but it's a really high number for a team that's going to trust into a lot of youth. 
and that's going to be part of the year. I think they're going to go under the win total because they're going to use the season, as Matt referenced there, to kind of come in and just, hey, guys, work it out. Because by the time we get to the playoffs, we need you to play a role for us. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Let's give away some tickets for Dita Von Teese, brand new Vegas residency, a uh, burlesque review. Dita Las Vegas, October it opens at the Jubilee Theater, Horseshoe Las Vegas. We've got the tickets now. They've gone on sale. Ticketmaster.com, but we've got a pair of tickets right now. Damon will hook you up. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Caller seven. Dita Las Vegas in October, Jubilee Theater, Horseshoe. Tickets are on sale right now. Ticketmaster.com.